Matters of Fact, I'm Christian Esquera. Today in the program, we're going to talk about this House resolution for calling for an inquiry into the registration, sale, and distribution of drugs for COVID-19 here in the Philippines. Does this have to do with the push or the lobby for an antiparasitic drug to be made available for COVID-19 patients as prophylaxis or even a treatment here in the Philippines? The Philippine government did not fall short in responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. That statement coming from President Rodrigo Duterte, even as the country battles a fresh surge in coronavirus infections. In a pre-recorded speech aired Thursday night, Duterte claimed he had acted early on on the pandemic. He also defended his aides following calls for the abolition of the country's COVID-19 task force. Wala na kayong tinignan kung hindi yung kagaguhan ninyo. Hindi tayo nakulang. Right after the WHO advisory, the following day, I, day after, basta within 48 hours, we already had the task force. Ba't sabihin ninyo baka wala nang talagang solusyon ito? Meron na. Yung mga harap na sa panel, tingnan niyo, bright, puro bright yan. Puro valedictorian, puro ano, alam nila anong gawin nila. So wag kayong mangala, we choose the right people to run this government. Not be afraid. Government is working. Government is busy doing everything. The Philippines has now reported more than 900,000 COVID-19 cases since the pandemic began last year. Health officials on Thursday logged over 11,000 new infections, bringing the number of active cases to more than 183,000. According to the ABS-CBN data analytics team, the last 100,000 cases were recorded in just the past 10 days. Now, the pandemic is not only a health problem, but an economic one as well. According to government data analyzed by the ABS-CBN analytics team, mm -hmm. 583 establishments were forced to shut down permanently in just the first three months of 2021. Microenterprises accounted for more than half of them and nearly half of all establishments that reported temporary closure. The result? A total of 118,210 workers were laid off. To share with us is uh, her experience in running a business amid the pandemic. We're now joined by Joby Moreno, a salon owner and Go Negotium mentor. Good morning and thank you for joining us on the program, Joby. Hello, Sir Christian, and good morning to everyone watching. It's nice to be back here in ANC. Okay, uh, I'd like this uh, this interview to focus on the plight of small businesses, not just the owners, mm -hmm. but also the, the employees themselves, uh, on how they're coping with the COVID-19 pandemic, which has been here for more than a year. Uh, first off, uh, what kind of business are you in? How many employees do you have? Uh, we're um, under the category of MSME businesses. I own an or I own Orange Blush Salon, so it's a community salon. So we used to be 30 branches now before the pandemic, but now due to the lockdowns and you know unprecedented situations, we're forced to um, close other branches. So we're right now around 10 branches now. So it's quite difficult um, treading this new normal, especially with. Um, the lockdowns that we have now, especially the salon business, because we are under the non-essentials category. Mm -hmm. And how many uh, employees uh, have been forced to uh, 
to go out of work because of the pandemic? Oh, that's around 50% of our employees, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But initially, uh, how did you try to cope with the situation as a business owner? What were the measures that you uh, tried to put in place to make sure that the uh, uh, layoff would be the last resort? Exactly. So we have the three-point plan that we um, actually implemented in the business, in our salons, when the pandemic hit last year. So the first thing, of course, is to survive. For you to be able to survive, you have to close several branches, which are inside the malls, because people were very cautious. They won't go inside the malls due to a fear of getting infected. No. So the second um, step we did was actually to adapt to the new change. So that's why we built branches outside the malls for us to be able to continue with the operations and of course avoid any layoff of our employees. And third, right now what we're doing is rebuilding the business. You know, we are incorporating retail products this time. The the most difficult part I think in being in this sector, which is non-essentials, as for us, we are in the um, beauty industry, salon business. We are a service-oriented business. So when you're in a service-oriented business, it requires physical contact, you know, when you're in the massage, skin clinics, and also in the hair salon. So it's more difficult for our um, clients to come because of the pandemic. So right now we are going through digital marketing as well. And um, because people don't like to come inside the salons, we also offer home salon services. Of course, observing the safety protocols um, mm-hmm. set by the government. When you said 50% of the workforce had mm-hmm. to be laid off, um... How many employees are you talking about here? We were um, around 50. We have 50 employees um, working in the salons, but we had to close down um, several of the branches, including the franchise branches that we have um, in the metro. So around 50% were laid off. But hopefully it's um, a temporary thing, but it's already a year. So we are trying to move on with the uh, best people that we have now and also the best opportunities that we have. However, the people that um, we've laid off before, we have also given them chance to sell the products that we have right now because they mm-hmm. want to come out of their um, houses right now. They're also um, uh, in, in several parts of the of the province here mm-hmm. in Nueva Ecija. How about those who were left uh, uh, with their jobs, right? Uh, were they also, uh, did they also have to do some pay cuts to be able to support, let's say, the sustenance of the company? Uh, no, no. Actually, it's all, um, uh, we're, we're all on a regular basis, especially the ones working inside the salons because they're the frontliners of the beauty industry. So what we have um, devised is a plan for us to work on skeletal duty and, of course, to work on a remote a method of doing business and of course when they come to the office they have um we, we don't really have a hundred percent attendance so we we work remotely as much as possible but again it's difficult for a service-oriented business like ours because we can sell digitally we can sell online because ours is a service um so we offer service procedures so haircut hair color so that's why we also launched a retail product which we can sell online of course, you're trying to make do with what you have now, uh, trying to um, weather this uh, this pandemic uh, while it is still here. But in terms of exactly. government support, uh, are you actually getting any? Did you actually get any specifically yes, for actually, employees? We did from the Department of Labor and Industry. We were also given a UDA, you know, for our for our team, um, also the management team from SSS. So we were very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Like, how much are we talking about here? We were talking about um, each got. Uh, 5,000 pesos. Each employee, 5,000 pesos. But how yes. about uh, the business establishment itself? No, no. Hmm. We were not given any, any help. No. So 
Um, but the but we were happy enough that the government has helped our employees, you know, in shedding this new normal because it's a great help for small businesses like ours that we have our team with us still right now, even if it's in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, how about the, the the policies put in place by the government? How exactly the uh, have this affected your operations? Because there were those who were complaining before that it seemed that the decisions, for instance, to put certain regions or provinces uh, on lockdown were not exactly driven by uh, by the numbers alone, understandably. Mm-hmm. But somehow, there was que- there were questions regarding the preparation or in terms of the messaging uh, before these lockdowns were announced. That's why uh, businesses like yours were definitely disturbed and heavily affected mm-hmm. by these policies. Mm-hmm. That's true. Actually, we're, we're lucky enough because I'm in Webesija in Kamanatuan City. So most of our businesses, of our branches are based here where we are in MGCQ already. So we are allowed to operate at 50% capacity. But of course, the the branches in Manila, our branches in Manila are also affected. So I think um, what we are hoping from the government is of course to have a clearer plan of um, the lockdowns and schedules as well because we're also uh, we also want to prepare not just the clients not themselves, but also our team as well for us to be able to support the business um, j- during the pandemic and of course to thrive in this new normal as well. Mm. Now speaking of a clear plan, are you also seeing so far any clear plan or even signals only uh, coming from let's say the DTI, from the interagency task force to be able to uh, help small businesses not just weather this, uh, this, this pandemic, but make sure that you would really get back on your feet afterward. I'm talking about a well, plan, right? Mm. Yes. Well, I can say you know, from personal experience that DTI, Department of Trade and Industry, has helped us MSMEs so much you know, with uh, uh, their joint projects with Go Negosho. I am a Go Negosho mentor and a Go Negosho host. So we know the projects that they have for small business owners like ours. So they have this Kapatid Mentor Me Online where they encourage um um, small business owners to be equipped with the proper knowledge of how to run a business, whether it's um, in a mortar, uh, in a brick and mortar store, or online business. And also, uh, we also uh, we are very grateful for the help that the government is giving us, especially when it comes to the Department of Trade and Industry, because they are actually encouraging small business owners to go on with businesses. You know, especially equipping them with the digital knowledge that we all need right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, does that also entail heavy investment on the part of the business owner? Shifting no, to digital platform or not uh, at all? Not at all, I think. Actually, first thing, uh, first things first, the program is free from the Department of Trade and Industry and Go Negosho. All you have to do is to register. And the nice thing about it, your mentors are actual business owners. So you get to know how they run the business amidst the pandemic. You get to share with their experiences and you get to learn from them from their actual experiences during the pandemic. And secondly, they're all online, so you don't have physical contact. You don't have to go somewhere to learn. You know, it's um, it's a very efficient way of learning while from home. And also, you get to be um, certified by Go Negosho, and they get to help you connect with other government agencies as well once you've finished the course. So mm-hmm. it's a great help for all of us because sometimes when you tread this new normal or you shift or you pivot to another business, it's very difficult to start uh, from scratch. But with the help of DTI and their programs, they get to equip these uh, business owners with the proper knowledge on how they can start this new normal with the uh, digital business that they have. 
Now, last year, I was in touch with one uh, salon in, in Makati City. We were mm-hmm. talking about how they were coping with the pandemic at that time. Uh, they mentioned that like other salons uh, in the same business, they had to invest heavily also in terms of PPEs, in terms of uh, uh, improving the facilities, right? So they also invested uh, a significant amount of money in that. And they, they were true. forced to actually increase the rates. This also happened in your case, right? That's true. That's right. I actually have friends who were in um, similar businesses. No, they have uh, nail salons, and we also have here a beauty salon. No, so we were talking of um, because we were in PPEs, and we we also have to manage that our 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 team is also negative when it comes to um, uh, COVID nineteen um, results. So what we did was that not just the additional equipment that we have to. To be uh, to to buy for the salons for us to be able to operate, but of course the daily operations that you also need to go through. No, so it, it's quite an investment. But we believe that we all need to be safe. So uh, not just the PPEs, but also the proper safety precautions and also proper safety measures that we implement inside the salons. Okay, Joby Moreno, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the program. Thank you, Sir Christian. Good morning, everyone. God bless. Two Philippine congressional leaders are calling for a House inquiry into the COVID-19 drug approval policies of the Department of Health and the Food and Drug Administration. Speaker Lord Alan Velasco and Deputy Speaker Bernadette Herrera D. took both agencies to task in resolution for allegedly imposing inhumane guidelines that have caused delays in authorizing new COVID-19 treatments. Uh, Congresswoman Herrera is among the advocates pushing for the use of the antiparasitic drug ivermectin against COVID-19. Speaker Velasco, meanwhile, previously urged regulators to either fast-track the grant of emergency use authorization for ivermectin as a COVID-19 drug or to conclusively declare it as unsafe. Various international organizations have warned against using ivermectin against COVID-19. But the Philippine FDA granted one private hospital a limited special permit to use the drug for its COVID-19 patients. Deputy Speaker Bernadette Herrera D now joins us for uh, to discuss this uh, this House resolution that she has filed along with the Speaker Lord Alan Velasco. Good morning, Congresswoman D, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning, Christian, and good morning to all the viewers. Okay, again, uh, uh, just for clarity, what prompted this House resolution that you filed along with the um, which was also filed by Speaker Velasco? What do you want to do? But- what do you want to see? Okay, on my personal note, it's um, really looking into the FDA guidelines as to how we determine what are the drugs for emergency use, what are the drugs that are supposed to be used for the COVID treatment protocol here in the Philippines. It started actually with my discovery of the tocilizumab when um, a lot of uh, people have been asking me for help where to access the tocilizumab. Um, and then up to the point that the, the son of my fellow Rotarian died because and I couldn't give him any single dose of this tocilizumab. I spoke to Secretary Duque, all you said, but it's not available. So I was thinking, why would we put as part of a protocol something that's not available in the market? So that's something that you want to recommend it, but it's not available. And they said there's only one supplier in the whole world. And the Philippines is not in the priority list of receiving this medicine. So that you're just creating despair to the Filipino people when you do that, when you recommend a COVID treatment protocol that's not available in the market. So pag sinabi sa'yo ng doktor, uh, ma'am, kailangan niyo po ng tosilusi, ma'am. But it's not available in the Philippines. Anong mangyayari sa isang Pilipino? 
So, what, tayo. So, so what's wrong with the policy coming from the FDA? Well, then I, I, took, I took a look at it. Well, one, why would you recommend something that's not available? So I, I, had, I had to look into that. And then another thing, and the issue of ivermectin came in, um, wherein it was recommended for use. Um, it's legal in the country, but it seems um, they don't want to register or registration of this drug is, is um, having a difficult time coming in the country. It's like you are allowing it to exist in the country, but access to the medicine is not present. So with that, I tried to take a look. Um, that the only way after the hearing is really through the DEU or the Drugs for Emergency Use. And that's when I found out that the only way for you to be part of that is if a private medical facility allows it to be on the list. Um, mm. I think it's called the PSMID. So that led me to the question, why is a private medical facility deciding Medical society, sorry, a private medical society deciding on what medicine is available for emergency use in the country. There are so also the, a mm, lot of societies here. Yes. Okay. When is this investigation going to happen, this house inquiry? The, next week. Um, um, the speaker when you resume. Okay. So when you resume the session? No, even even before. Oh, no, no, okay. Before the resumption of the session. Uh, my bad. Yes. Okay. So... Uh, of course, this inquiry is in aid of legislation primarily and also in the exercise of your oversight function. But do you actually see any specific problem with the policies coming from the FDA? I mean, when it comes to how it does it does it work does it work its work? I'm worried that one year has passed and they're gonna tell me we don't have experts that can decide what are the drugs for, for emergency use. Because here we are reliant on one private medical society, and that is the PSMID. So why one year later, we still don't have experts. We still didn't. We weren't able to form task forces to determine this one. And why are we so hesitant to put drugs for emergency use when the doctors will be the one to prescribe it if the COVID patient is in critical care? It's the doctors actually who would decide which is the best medicine for them. Okay. In your case, uh, you mentioned ivermectin, right, earlier. Um, is this move to file a house resolution to inquire into the guidelines and policies of the FDA, is this just meant to pressure the FDA to approve ivermectin as prophylaxis or treatment for COVID-19? Definitely not. Like I told you, what prompted me to look into this is first the tocilizumab, and then there's also ivermectin. And that's not that ivermectin. There's also this lerondimab. There are a lot of drugs that has to come in the country so that we have bet we have better choices the doctors have better choices as to what covid treatment protocols apply to the patient and what's important is that it's available in the market and one thing christian this ivermectin really I, I won't deny that has really caught a lot of attention and has really led me to research a lot on this one and when i was looking at um, the ivermectin issue they, they said that the way the best way when i was talking to you like domingo is through cpr but apparently, that CPR would really take you a minimum of six months because um, there's the stabilization and the okay. interchangeability when you have to compare it and all that. So it's not easy. So the only way is through the drugs for emergency use, and it's interdependent on a private entity. Okay, pardon this question, Deputy Speaker uh, Bernadette herrera yes. Because if you look at the uh, statements or the pressure coming from certain congressional leaders, including yourself, and the fact that this mm -hmm. was at the very least twice mentioned already, in President Duterte's public address, you could sense that there could be, or there's likely, a big lobby behind ivermectin to be made available in the Philippine market 
for treatment or prophylaxis for COVID-19. And it can be suspected that this push in the House is just meant or is part of this big lobby for Ivermectin. How do you respond to that? On the contrary, Christian, that's why I'm supporting this because there's no big pharma behind it. Because if you take a look at it, the ones who are espousing this are compounding laboratories that actually cannot compete with big laboratories if they come in the Philippines. Remember, I think Lloyd Laboratories already having itself um, applying for the CPR and other labs. They're not the ones who started the lobbying for this one. It's small compounding laboratories that if big pharma comes in, mahihirapan mag-compete yung mga ating mga small compounding laboratories. Kaya on the contrary, um, mas nararamdaman ko yung pressure that there's lobby from those trying to keep this cheap drug from coming in the Philippines. And but that's an is, honest assessment on my part. But ivermectin is unproven and there are a lot of warnings coming from experts regarding the use of ivermectin as treatment or prophylaxis. Kahit marami anecdotal statements saying na, oh, gumana sa akin, gumana sa ganito, but you have the regulations coming from the FDA. That's why we need to respect that. Pero bakit ngayon parang napaka-intense tong push? Is it really for public health or for something else? Actually, the, I, I feel the push that why the resistance? Why the gang-ho on ivermectin? It's an, a drug that's been existing for 40 years. It's, an, it's in the essential list of the World Health Organization, and that of FDA and DOH. But for health, worms? Um, Para sa bulate? Sa antiparasitic, hmm. yes. And it's been proven in other countries. Uh, there are a lot of foreign clinical trials also. Um, and that's what I was asking them. Why aren't we looking at the foreign clinical trials just like what we did with docilocimab and remdesivir? Wala tayong local clinical trials here in the country. But they all base those on foreign clinical trials. There are foreign clinical trials with ivermectin. And that's my question. Why aren't they seriously taking a look at why they always say there's no conclusive evidence when a lot of other countries are actually using it? Christian, for the past 40 years, wala pa ako nakitang adverse finding on ivermectin. Wala pa ako nakitang journal on adverse finding on ivermectin. And do you, the, can you cite any specific journal or any specific comprehensive study, not with limited sample, so, limited sample size, that would point to, con, uh, to to any conclusive finding that ivermectin can be used as treatment or prophylaxis for COVID-19? Well, there's plenty. I don't know. I I, I don't have the exact um, uh, best, but there are more than 60 um, clinical trials already in in other countries. Bangladesh is doing this. Um, Australia has already said this. A lot of other countries have actually been using this. And I'm sure that they based it on foreign clinical trials. Dr. Corey, Pierre Corey, also presented the several um, foreign clinical trials where they're basing that there's conclusive evidence that it can be prophylactic. You know, Christian, um, what we're trying here is to find ways on how we could make medicines accessible to the country that could prevent and at the same time cure COVID-19. Yeah, we and understand that. Mm. Yeah. We understand we that. But you look at a lot of other options also. Yeah, My point that, is we have to take a look at a lot of other options. Because if a hospital has already applied for compassion special permit, that alone tells you that some doctors really believe that it can really be a cure. Now, yeah. if you make this available as a drug for emergency use, it is still up to the hospital and the doctor if he wants to prescribe it. So why 
but but uh, you're aware of the statements already coming from the WHO, coming from the DOH, coming from the FDA. Okay, let's ignore your local. Let's ignore DOH or FDA. Even the even the wait wait wait. Even the manufacturer of ivermectin already said this is not proven as far as treatment for COVID-19 is concerned. So isn't it irresponsible for, for, for politicians like you to actively promote this when in fact there are a lot of questions and there are a lot of risks involved? You're dealing with public health here. Congresswoman D. Hello? Okay, we'll try to get her back on the line. Okay. Okay. Okay, I think uh, Congresswoman Herrera is uh, is back on the line. Okay. Can you respond to that previous question that I asked? Sorry, oh. I can't hear you. Okay, because there are questions regarding uh, why certain politicians are promoting this, despite the the statements already coming from the manufacturer from Merck, by the very manufacturer of ivermectin. Sabi nila hindi to proven as treatment for COVID-19, kasi wala pa naman talagang gamot for COVID-19, di ba? And ang ang question is hindi ba irresponsible on the part of politicians like you to actually actively promote this? Don't we just uh, can't we just wait for the entire process to be completed by the FDA and for uh, other studies to show whether this could actually work before actively promoting it? Chris said, we're not actively promoting it, but we're actively asking FDA to seriously look into the matter. And if you read my statements, it's always been that. Keep an open mind. Study it very well. Read all the foreign clinical trials. Because at the end of the day, I am a public servant. I am not a doctor. That's why I'm asking help from FDA to really seriously look into it together with DOH. Now that they've also allowed the CSP, they've also allowed um, compounding laboratories to produce it. And if you're talking about Merck, of course Merck will, would be able to say that when they made it in 1992, it's going to be for COVID. Nobody knew that there will be COVID in the Philippines. And they, they, lost, they, they did not renew their patent in 1996. So naturally, the medicine isn't theirs anymore. There's nothing to gain anymore for that. But I don't want to go there. What I'm just really espousing is for FDA to seriously take a look at this. Because I'm just worried on the resistance. It's like they're singling out this medicine. And the resistance was it's very strong. Because when they first messaged Yusek Domingo about this, the first thing he said to me, he said to me was, Panghayop yan nam, walang pang tao dito. So, Hindi ba totoo why yan? the sudden resistance? No, because it's in the essential list already. Ne. And it's an antiparasitic drug. Yeah, yeah. So pwede siyang pantao. For... Pwede siyang pantao, pwede siyang panghayo. Pero there's hindi sa Pilipinas. Yeah, yeah. And there's you... animal grade. Animal grade available dito sa Pilipinas. So you want the human grade to be made available in the Philippines officially. In the, your... you know, that's, um, yun yung common uh, misconception kasi ng tao. That there's no human grade available ne. in the market. It can be compounded by laboratories even before this whole bruhaha of ivermectin happened. That's what I was saying because DOH and FDA have so many conflicting statements on this one. That's why it led to people being confused. Remember, if there are off-label drugs, compounding laboratories can do it if the doctor has prescribed this. And what we've been espousing is that now they say 
they we can uh, doctors can prescribe ivermectin but it's not available so what are we promoting here we're promoting the gray market to come in so if we say that it can be prescribed by doctors why can't we make it available don't you think statements it's like, like I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, i'll just Wait. put things in perspective like like lingua uh, the chinese it, medicine it was oh. approved yeah it was approved um it has a cpr But it's not approved for COVID protocol. But at least it's at the CPR. It's legally being traded in the Philippines. And some doctors prescribe it for use. Some don't. So that's just my point. Hindi ba, available. Hindi ba statements coming from politicians uh, promoting ivermectin? Won't that also promote the gray market as well? Because people are listening to you. Your constituents are looking up to you. And even if you say that you just want the FDA to look into this, The messaging on the ground may be different. Iniisip nila, ah, binanggit na ni Congresswoman, binanggit na ni Congressman, baka okay na to. Word of mouth spreads Christian, and it's very, very effective. In, in all my interviews, I always say, always ask your doctor. Because you cannot use this product if you don't have a prescription from the doctor. I always say that in all of my interviews because I want them to be responsible. Because at the end of the day, It's right to self-determination. And you're right. We can influence a lot of people. That's why ako lagi akong careful. That's why I always say, please ask your doctors. Even when my friends text me, I always tell them, please ask your doctor. Because what's good for me may not be good for them. Hindi pwedeng ganun. That's why we're always very, ako, personally, I'm very careful with those things. Another question, for instance. Let's say, yeah. may, may naniwala, may nakumbinse because of statements coming from people like you. uminom talaga ng ivermectin at naka-experience ng risk. Kaninong sagot yun? Kaninong accountability? Right. You know, Christian, sometimes it's good to raise these issues because before you mention that, you have to study kung meron na bang namatay sa ivermectin because of overdose. There's no document on that one. And I'm not talking about overdose or death. Ha? I'm talking about risks. I'm not exactly well, talking no, about death. There's no evidence also na may namatay dito because of drinking ivermectin. Hindi, I'm, 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 I'm not talking, sabi, I'm not talking ako, about deaths. I'm talking about risks. Wala akong nakitang side effect of ivermectin. Wala rin akong nakitang side effect that it's that, na written manuscript na meron siyang masamang side effects. Okay, ito pa yung sa epekto ng mga statements like this. I'm speaking now in Filipino for uh, for our audiences hmm. to appreciate this uh, this exchange much better. For instance, Meron talagang use yung ivermectin, di ba? Antiparasitic. Pero let's say, na-convince yung mga tao, nagkaroon ng herd mentality, o gamitin natin yan kasi sinabi ganito, okay. Paano yung mga tao talagang kailagan ng ivermectin as an antiparasitic drug? Baka sila, sila yung mawala ng supply because of this uh, false mentality that, wait, wait, ivermectin can work for for COVID-19. At dalawa yung pinag-uusapan natin sa conversation, di ba? Hindi lang yeah. treatment, prophylaxis pa. Yeah. That's why Christian, what we're wanting FDA to do is to make it accessible for the people. Because why would you say, okay, doctors can now prescribe it, but you won't find a way to have it available in the market? Kaya kami ang sinasabi naman namin sa FDA, sana bilisan natin yung pag-process ng mga bagay na to. And if you say conclusive means hindi siya pwede, who are we to push it? Diba? Pero hindi rin naman nila sinasabing ganun eh. They're also not clear because they're also unsure. Katulad ng sinayo mo kanina about the vaccine, di ba? Sa AstraZeneca, sinabi abroad na it causes blood clot. But we still allowed it here in the country. Because ganun naman talaga eh, every time. 
may pros and cons lahat yan. But at the end of the day, it's the doctor prescribing you who will decide among those available in the list as to what you should use But, uh, for the particular patient. Why not just wait for the FDA to complete the process regarding, regarding ivermectin? Um, because a lot have been applying to them already since before. Um, but it's not moving. So that's the only thing that we're asking them to do is to fast track it. Like I told you, Christian, um, don't concentrate on the fact that it's just about ivermectin. It's just that this is the issue that became popular. What um, For me, how do you look into that one? You want it a COVID protocol, but it's not available here in the Philippines or we are finding hard to order it. And then you have people dying because you cannot supply the medicine. That's what prompted me. This is just actually secondary. But what prompted me to look into that is this issue on the tosilusiman. And that's with all honesty. Because what kind of a society or what kind of um, a government are we to espouse a product that's not available here or cannot okay. come in the Philippines? This okay. is my point. So okay. that's prompted me to look into this. Okay, Congresswoman Bernadette Herrera D, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Christian. And that's our program for today. I'm Christian Asagera. You can listen again to the ANC Matters of Fact uh, interviews in our podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get other exclusive interviews on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for uh, watching this morning.